Welcome back to the Wild Podcast. It's Dylan here. Hey, so if you've been following along on our podcast and you're a fan, you might enjoy our webinar series. I've just launched our winter webinar series. There's monthly dates for our two-hour live webinars on how to be a more successful hunter. We break down a number of different uh, aspects of hunting that I think are super valuable to you being a successful hunter and having a bit more fun out there too. So we talk about stuff like still hunting for deer, um, meat care in the field, e-scouting. We're just going to launch our newest one, which is how to scout an area and and decide if it's worth putting more time into that area and and uh, exploring it more, or should you move on to the next spot? So scouting a new spot in the field is the is the name of it. So lots of fun. I hope you sign up for those and and uh, get to hang out with us a bit more. Okay, that was my advertising. So this next three episodes, you're joining me on the Pole Bender Adventure. I've been sitting on this for a little while, just waiting to do a recap episode with my my crew from this adventure. But I'm taking you back to August of 2019 when I set out on an adventure with my childhood best friend, Alex, who's a filmmaker. We've done some Eat Wild films together. My uh, good friend, Ranger Ryan, who we've worked together for years, and he's a super competent outdoors person and just a ton of fun to hunt with. And my good friend, Clay Armstrong, an academic from Vancouver Island University, who is also a writer for BC Outdoors. And the four of us had a plan to fly into the Tall Tan Traditional Territory in the Cassiar Mountains into an alpine lake and hunt primarily caribou and possibly goat, over the course of 10 or 12 days and then tell some type of story uh, through the podcasting as, but primarily doing a bit of a video project. So we had lots of excitement going into this trip, but of course, as many things go in life, they don't exactly work out like you'd planned. So this episode, the next few episodes are sort of, you're catching up with us uh, on day two. The first episode is on day two and you're catching up with us. So we're, we've, uh, um, Landed in our alpine lake, and we've um, set up our Seek Outdoors teepee tent about 100 meters up off the lake, and we've got this great perch where we can see like 360 degrees all around us. It's like beautiful alpine meadows. Like there's not really any significant tree in sight, um, and there's just like all around us there are, are like m- like beautiful mountain passes that well mountains all surrounding us with like these accessible mountain passes going in every direction. It's like the most inviting place as a hunter. Cause you're like, Oh, I want to go like climb up there and hunt through there and look over there or go down that Valley or down that Valley or up and over there, just endless possibilities for, you know, interesting hunts in front of us. Anyways, needless to say, we were excited to explore this area and, and, and see what would come up with in terms of a hunt and, 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 you know, and of course in terms of storytelling with the video equipment that we had, so we'll let the the rest of us tell the story as we as we've, we've got our podcast recording equipment inside the tent here on day two, which you'll you'll get caught up with here shortly. So hopefully you enjoy the the story here over the next few episodes. And if you're someone that's planning an adventure hunt or a fly-in hunt, this is a great series to listen to. We give a lot of insight on to, you know, just the planning and the weight challenges of planning a flight where you you can only bring so much weight on a plane. We talk a lot about the logistics of the planning going into it, 
Uh, and probably most importantly, we talk about, you know, the importance of having a trip plan ahead of going into an adventure like this and a communication strategy, as well as reliable communication devices and how much they can really save your ass and something like this. So hopefully you'll find some value in these uh, episodes and have a lot of fun. And uh, you'll also catch a little bit of storytelling around a few goat hunts and a few other adventures along the way. Anyways, I hope you enjoy. And uh, here we go. Armstrong, a uh, good friend for many years, and we've hunted a little together. Hey, Clay. Hey, Dylan. Uh, can't thank you enough for uh, inviting me on this adventure, having the time of my life, seeing of, uh, tons of wild uh, animals in the high country, and I'm so excited to be here, and it's just been uh, a great experience so far. Can't wait, can't wait to see what uh, the morning brings. Clay, what do you do for a living? You know, I uh, am an English professor by trade. I teach uh, American literature at the Vancouver Island University. And in my spare time, I'm a paid-on-call firefighter. And I do a little bit of outdoor writing uh, when I'm uh, in all my free time. So you've been published a couple times in BC Outdoors. That's right. I have uh, about five feature articles in uh, BC Outdoors. I've published uh, approximately 50 photographs. Uh, with that same uh, platform and I couldn't be more excited to be out here and uh, and to contribute to uh, their platform as well as uh, anything else that we can discover on the horizon yeah cool man I appreciate it. well I it's kind of it's a part of what we're doing here we're trying to uh, put together a bit of a film like an actual film and the next person to introduce you, to introduce you is, is Alex and my, my old childhood best friend Alex who we've done some um, video project together together before but we but alex brought his full kit in with him now so we've got a um alex what kind of cameras do we have today for this well yeah so we we float flew in so we have um you know it was a little bit tight on weight but um we probably got i don't know 60 pounds of camera gear 88 pounds 88 pounds of camera gear i'm always a little bit light on that but yeah but yeah man we've done some We've done some cool uh, little video product projects in the past, and uh, this is a big one. We're out here for 12 days, give or take, and uh, we're in northern BC, man. I'm really stoked to be here. I know that when you called me in January, it's now August, in January when you called me to, to see if I was interested in coming on this trip, I was, I was pretty excited, and and sort of the lead up to it and talking with you know you, Ryan, and Clay about this trip it's been fun, man. The, the camaraderie of um, the excitement of of the trip and organizing the trip is almost as fun as being on the trip. You know what I mean? So, and Ryan, we've worked together for I don't know. We had about a decade together working together on the South Coast mm-hmm. as park rangers, and and uh, I'm super thrilled that you're here on this trip. And tell me what your motivation was to come on a trip like this, where we're flying into the middle of nowhere and probably going to fly out with no meat. Tell me why you're here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I know. It's, 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 uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big deal coming out here for sure. 
like you said, we've I'm I'm an employee of BC Parks, so I see a lot of really cool, amazing places with my job. And I've been blessed to work on the west coast of BC and in a little bit of the southern interior, but I haven't had the opportunity yet to work in northern BC and I haven't spent a lot of time in northern British Columbia yet. And I know how amazing this is up in northern BC. I've heard the stories. And so when you invited me, I was like, wow, yes, I have to come up here and see this place. Maybe I knew at this point that my career with BC Parks wasn't going to take me up to northern BC because I have a family now. It's probably not a place where I'm going to go as an individual with my family to go up to northern BC and work with BC Parks. So I think I missed my spot earlier on in my career where I could have gone up as a single man and spent time up in northern BC where it would have been more realistic to spend a bunch of time in northern BC. That's a whole other conversation for us. That like, like I had the same thoughts. I'm like, <laughs> man, I should have gone to Dee's Lake when I was 20. Yeah. And like explored Spetsizi and all the northern parks and gone, gone to Liard. And yeah. Like, but once you have a few kids, you're kind of further down south, closer to grandparents, all that sort of stuff, right? So, yeah. It's, 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 it's funny. I have, I have the same like, uh, yeah, FOMO of like park management. And we happen to be park rangers in British Columbia, which gives us the opportunity to work in all these fantastic provincial parks and the wilderness values increase as you go further north in bc mm. and we mostly for the most part like in my in my career i was in vancouver island the gulf islands and a little bit of the west coast of vancouver island then eventually in the lower mainland which is like high use high recreation low wilderness values yeah and you're kind of similar like, similar yeah i had a few kind of key, really cool parks since i moved to the okanagan gladstone some really cool Greystoke, some really neat wilderness parks but not quite true wilderness like you get in northern bc right and i thought like you know what you invited me i don't think i'm gonna have many opportunities to come up here at this point in my life to see this area and that's why i agreed to come here because i really 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 wanted to see this part of the world and now that we're here and i'm sitting here i am just so thrilled that i said yes because it is so amazing so beautiful so incredible yeah. It just is so special to be even here. in the rain. Even in the rain, rain just showed up. We had two two yeah. stellar days, like two blue, bluebird days from when we moved, when we flew in to get here, landed on this uh, lake, and and we're, we're we're in the what we would call the uh, the Cassiar Mountain. So we're we're in uh, the northwest corner of Burst Columbia, and we're in one of like the there's a few wilderness areas left in BC, and, and well, few as in two. There's basically the northwest corner of the the province, which we would call the Cassiar Wilderness, or and it's the what what is um, sort of the yeah basically northwest corner, um, and then there's sort of this big chunk from from where we are heading east over to the Alaska Highway, which is like the Musquakachika Wilderness area, and between those two areas, like other than that, industrial development has kind of like creeped in in every direction in terms of mining, forestry, and agriculture, and has definitely impacted the wilderness values. So we are somewhere where there is definitely wilderness values here. It is like we flew for 100 kilometers from these lake, and we didn't cross a power line, a road. It was pure wilderness, and it just got progressively more spectacular as we went from forested land to like basically more and more what almost like 
like tundra and alpine landscapes. Um, they just like they extended out in every direction as you're looking out the windows of the plane. Eh? Like, like yeah, it was cool. We we came through that one last little crest between the mountain where the pilot flew kind of low through it, and we almost like broke a border. It was just like poof. We came out the other side, and it was just this alpine, amazing tundra. It was pretty cool. What did you guys think of our pilot? Dan? Who's Dan. great. Yeah. Young Dan is a Kiwi pilot. He's been here for about a year, it sounds like. His wife's also a pilot. They're young. Um, Who's a hell of a younger than the wood and the carpet inside that plane. Yeah, our plane was, <laughs> I guess, 63. Our plane was no, a 58. 58. Yeah, 58. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. That's supposed to ask how old the, be, uh, yeah. how old the plane is you're flying in. He flew in flip-flops, and I, I know why, because he's on a float plane. He's got to get out and uh, direct the plane to shore once it's landed. But, yeah, casual. I I was super comfortable with, with the flight in. And, yeah. I saw this, this guy on the... Uh, I fly, I've flown out from the east side of the Rockets a couple times, and uh, the Munchal 8 is a float plane base, and you can fly out of there. And it's really expensive, particularly expensive. It's twice as much to fly on the east side of the Rockies as it is here, because there's, there's fewer places you can fly to. So what, one thing that's really neat about uh, flying out of Dees Lake or Watson Lake is that you can fly to, there's a lot of little puddle lakes that you can fly to, and and have a moose hunting experience or a caribou or a goat hunting experience or a sheep hunting experience um, pretty much all to yourself and uh, and whereas on the east side of the Rockies there's a handful of lakes you can actually fly into um, so it creates I guess there's a bit more pressure on those lakes but the the interesting thing is is, is that there's Erst who is the, the the main pilot out of there and he's so he's a bit particular about how he flies like he, he only flies when like when he wants to fly which means it's got to be like pretty much perfect weather, which is probably a good thing. And, uh, but it also means like everybody complains about Earth because he, he'll, he'll, he'll hold up a lot of people who want to get out and almost like a, like a bit of a school bus. Uh, it's sort of like he, everybody fills up the school bus, which is this great big plane. And then he, then he, then he flies out all the, all the, all the hunters out to these various lakes and destinations, um, in one shot. And people kind of complain about it, but, I look at him, I'm like, dude, this guy's like 65 years old. And like a bush pilot that's 65 years old, I'm like, I'm okay with paying a premium because that means he's like been doing this a long time and been able to make it. So so when you fly in on a trip like this, you have to have, there's a, there's, there's a weight limitation. So one of the things that we did a lot of leading up to this trip was talking about weight and what we're bringing and managing everything from Alex's camera kit to our daily food to basically our kit and and trying to figure out how much stuff we can bring and our and our load limit was 1200 pounds so that basically meant that we had 300 pounds per guy flying it now most of us weigh an average of 190 pounds and so that leaves us with 110 pounds of surplus gear to to bring in so we brought in 100 pounds of production gear with our podcast oh the podcast machine which you're listening to right now and then Alex's camera gear was 90 pounds. And then that left us with, I don't know, what was it that I just say? Like 300 pounds of gear collectively between the four of us. Now, most of us have probably 60 pounds of hunting gear and food. So that's another 240 pounds. And that leaves 60 pounds of discretionable stuff. So we brought in this like, 
what is it, 20, no, 18 pound teepee tent with a wood stove, which we're sitting around right now, um, which I think is a good value for 20 pounds because we're sitting in a rainstorm, a little wood stove going, it's warm, we've got the, all of our fancy electronics and our podcast machine are staying dry, we're all, our bunk, we're all laying in our bunks basically here, and uh, I figured that was a pretty good use of 20 pounds. And then we had a few other things like some a kitchen stuff. We bought a bunch of group kitchen stuff that to have like there's some fish in the lake, so we've been frying up fish. We've got a, um, an extra stove or two, electric fuel, and then um, really came down to how much beer we we're bringing in. And <laughs> Don't forget the solar kit too. Oh, the solar the kit, solar. yeah, yeah, that's been handy. You know, even when it was cloudy today, that thing is still at a hundred percent. So. Yeah, so That's Alex probably, so what, what kind of unit is this? That's the Goal Zero. Um, it's the Yeti 400, which is a great, like, two to four person charging unit. And that'll run laptop and camera batteries and any sort of tablet or iPhone stuff that you're using for mapping, plus um, a Boulder 100 solar panel, which is freaking heavy. It's 27 pounds, but it seems to be. Um, doing the job so it it's it's right now it's pretty much dark out and raining and it's still showing it's charging on those panels yeah. which is pretty cool so, yeah so so we we had talked about bringing a generator to manage our power we have power needs obviously because we have um the uh we're trying to shoot a bit of a movie i haven't got to that yet but we're gonna do we're gonna shoot a bit of a movie with on this on this project and um and of course we all all electronics to charge here and there so um in previous trips i i've got backpackers i have a little panel a little solar panel that's a at least pound and it'll actually charge my cell phone in about an hour if i have direct sunlight so i've used that before for managing for my cell phone which is i basically use for listening to podcasts and navigating and taking pictures and video um but this is we have much bigger power needs alex has a red camera which is a fairly significant professional camera that that needs more power than than obviously that a little solar panel can provide but we had talked about a jenny but this is a pretty cool system it's so, quiet it's clean so far so good and we're all like plugging into it and like yeah sapping it sapping off the power so it's okay. great yeah um well great so anyways that's how we got here flew in I probably should open this this podcast with an acknowledgement that we are on the unceded traditional territory of the Taltan people, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of want to lead into that a little bit in this conversation a bit more. And you kinda, and and I think that's probably one of the main themes that we were kicking around is is that how do we kind of acknowledge that I, what's so cool about the Taltan people is that they they have. Well, this is so cool. It's, it's actually a long history of, of relations between the uh, hunting community and the Taltan people in terms of uh, entrenching their rights as a people when it comes to hunting rights. So uh, the, the, the Taltan people have maintained a roadblock on something called the Klapan uh, Railway Grade, which goes into Spetsy Provincial Park or just south of it, I'm not sure. Um, be exact, but but it's a uh, it's good moose area. I think there's access to other critters up there as well. Um, but the Taltan people many years ago were like, 
the numbers were going, uh, moves were going down, and they and they spoke up to, hey, we got to manage this better, and the province wasn't like collaborating or working with the Taltan people, so they just said, look, we'll we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll maintain an information roadblock on that road in order to like let people know what the status of the wildlife populations were for and and that was that was a long time ago and that was like that was the first time i understood indigenous peoples trying to take an active role in the management of the uh of their territory um that i was aware of and that was going back 20 some odd years ago um and being aware of that as a hunter and uh and there's still lots of lots of ongoings between the resident hunting population and the Taltan people in terms of hunting within the traditional territory. Um, uh, but we're very fortunate to be here. We're very fortunate to be hunting on the Taltan traditional territory and uh, exploring this vast wilderness that we're able to be a part in. I did, uh, on the radio last week, there was the, one of the uh, leaders of the Taltan ter- um, First Nation talking about... Um, the investments they had in different, uh, um, actually, there was there was a story on, on investing in a, in a green energy mm-hmm. resource, and um, it was cool to hear uh, how much that community has invested in their territory and been able to kind of get ahead a little bit and and be have more authority within their community, and uh, it. It's cool to see, and 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 I'm I'm looking forward to having more conversations around that and learning more about the the how the community is doing in Dee's Lake and uh, throughout the territory. Um, but we're pretty lucky to be sitting here in this huge piece of wilderness that has yet to be screwed up and having this conversation. So I want to acknowledge that we are here in Taltan traditional territory. So thanks for that. Absolutely. Totally. Thank you. It is like you say, Ryan. Like, like, what's the deal here? Like, we're we are the three, the four of us are experts at going out and harvesting animals efficiently to fill our freezers. Mm-hmm. Particularly you and Clay. Like, like you're mm-hmm. you. Well, actually, all all of us. I like. Well, you and Clay. Like, you guys are are exceptional at killing moose. You guys literally go moose hunting for like three or four days a year and kill two or three moose a year. Yeah, I'm, it, unheard of success. Alex has hunted literally six days in his entire life and killed like five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, just like, two. <laughs> it's been but, a couple more days than that, yeah. but it's, it's uh, yeah, I, but, I'm really enjoying it. But, but honestly, Alex, like, you, you, your perspective as a hunter is like, is so skewed because, because we, we, we've had so much success. Like, we, we, like Alex happens to live in the cent- in the interior of BC, uh, hour in every direction from your place. Is there's great deer hunting and. So Alex expressing it. Alex and I have skied. We played baseball together. We skied together. We're adventure pals for many years. And then Al, Al was like, "I'm in. I want to learn how to hunt." So partly because we filmed a few hunts, but he's like, "I'm in. Want to do this?" And then we made a plan to go hunting, and we went out to um, an hour north of his place and hiked up a mountain and walked around the other side of it. And sure enough, there's a deer there. We shoot it. Boom, deer done. And then deer in the freezer and then the next year we do the same thing day one of the hunt deer dead deer and next year we do the same thing so like that that very high success rate 
explore. Very fortunate. Very fortunate for sure. And uh, and and hunting with somebody who's grew up hunting, uh, such as you, is just like it's so great because there's a real quick learning curve, you know. And I think I have a fair bit of outdoor experience, but you know, zero rifle experience up until the time I started hunting three years ago. And before you know, before I had a family, not that much interest in uh, harvesting you know, my own food, but I, I see it now with a young family and, and the importance of, um, you know, healthy meat. It's the, you know, it is the best protein you can get really. Um, so there's that. And, and we do, we're, we're blessed to live in a beautiful part of interior British Columbia. And, uh, I mean, I can almost ride my mountain bike to a couple little spots that I like to hunt deer in the fall. So we're really fortunate that way. Um, but yeah, back to just, you know, for people who are interested in, in hunting and are new to it, finding somebody who has experience is a, a big step up to your learning curve, uh, or, or, you know, taking a course or getting in with some of these programs that are available. Like, uh, like an eat area. wild workshop, obviously. Yeah. Like an eat wild workshop, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, that, that. Plug, plug. That's plug, where plug. we're at. But so with. I, well, well, what's interesting is we're all very good at filling our freezers locally, and and then here we are, spent like you know the the balance. Well, these three guys they have families; they're taking ten days away, well, fourteen days away with their families. We're spending money that could otherwise go to pay for you know children's you know university educations, and all kinds of important things. Yet we're here hanging out in the Alpine. And uh, you know, chasing goats around the mountains, and tomorrow caribou open up. But it, but it is interesting. Like, why? Why is it that we're all so motivated, so excited to go on this adventure hunting experience when we're, when really our core motivation is to like hunt for meat, and that's what we do. And how do you reconcile like and justify like the expedition that we're taking on and the cost we're taking on? When you could easily, well, you have proven to easily fill your freezers otherwise. And yet, here we are climbing up and down goat mountains and, like, you know, with fruitless efforts of, like, trying to kill a goat when we could be expending all that effort in chasing mule deer around in our backyards. So, anyways, that's what I thought we'd talk about in the film and then maybe we'll talk about that some more. But speaking of meat, there's uh, we can hear some ptarmigan coming by our tent right now. So we'll take a little break here, see if we can get a ptarmigan, and then we'll come back to our podcast. Anyway, so let's so while we're on the podcast, I, I think probably what people are mostly interested in is like, what the hell did we do today, and what what kept what, what happened today? So we'll we'll go back one more day. So on on our first day of the hunt. We flew in in the afternoon, and we were able to get in here and set up, and we caught a couple of fish. A day early. We a day were, early from uh, our plan. Ahead of schedule, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We caught a couple of fish, and we cooked them up. We had a nice dinner, and then we, and we, had, a, and we had a good sleep. So we had traveling up here, two days of travel to get here. Got to the airport, flew in. Awesome timing. Um, so the next day, full day of hunting, what, what did we do? So, Clay, what did you guys do? We uh, cut south of the lake through a uh, saddle 
and um, explored a, a plateau. Ryan had uh, carefully examined a map a map uh, ahead of time. We were very diligent in our research, I think, and this was a, a planned a planned day hunt. So we uh, we crossed through a, a saddle and then cut um, cut 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 up into uh, our planned destination and uh, got into the the glory town of of goats and and caribou and marmots. So it was a very successful, very exciting day, uh, very rewarding. How, how how many goats did you see? We had seen what do you say, Rye, about uh, twenty some goats. Twenty twenty plus. I mean. We had some miscellaneous up until the point that um, we had stalked right into the the goat glory bowl of uh, you know twenty plus um, feeding out into the glorious sunshine and uh, it was just a spectacular sight and to see the uh, you know the billies in the high country uh, in their own territory up in uh, in the in the cliffs and the scree was just uh, just an incredible day. To, to be up there where we're so grateful and uh, so excited to be out here and um, every every hour every minute is a blessing to us so that's pretty fun on the other hand Alex and I had a fucking day of hell sort of not quite deep. It, it was like a classic mountain hunting day like you know like uh, we went the other way we went to like up to this one we hiked up to a pass and then we glassed down this like horseshoe valley, and uh, for a long time we saw some moose and a couple other critters down the valley. But then at the end of the valley, if you got if you if you if you hike down like two kilometers down the valley, it looked like you could see like like three other valleys from the end of the valley. And so we so we like so we sit uh, sit around there for a while like, and glass, and finally like got impatient. We're like, okay, let's just like. Hike down. It's just only two kilometers. Probably a horse trail at the bottom of the valley. Let's just like shoot down there, and get the and then get out to the, where the, the the valley like ties in with the the main stem, and we'll look in every direction, and we'll see sheep and goats and caribou everywhere. And um, of course, we dropped into the valley, and it like we were in the alpine, and we dropped down into the tree line, and well, we actually dropped in the willow line, which is thick, tall willow that just like grabs onto every part of you and slows you down and then and then you get so tired of pushing at the willow you're like maybe the trees will be better and then you like try to go through the trees and the trees are like super tight and you're like kind of try to be skinny with a backpack on trying to get through them and that doesn't work and you just kind of like push over top and through them and it's just awful so we did that for like four hours all the way down to the bottom of the valley and then we like looked at a few sheep that we couldn't get to Looked at a few goats we could never get to, and then we turned around and we walked back up the valley, all the way. Classic mountain hunting day. Great. We saw a moose. Saw a moose, and then we got back here. And you guys were like, oh, we just skipped across the alpine meadows all day long. It was wonderful. It sounded more it. like today. What we did today <laughs> sounded more like your day today. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so today, day two, Ryan, what happened today? So yeah, Clay and I left camp yesterday morning and had an amazing day like clay said saw some amazing country saw lots of animals lots of goats saw a couple of caribou and just saw some bulls some, some bulls just beautiful beautiful country 
That's why we came here. It was just spectacular. Uh, and then came back really satisfied with our day. Thought we had a plan to go hopefully make a play on a, some goats. But they're a little far away. So after chatting with our, our other hunting buddies, we decided that we'll stick close to home today and then go out and strike out for those guys tomorrow so we can ca capitalize on caribou that open tomorrow at the same time in case um, we don't capitalize on the goats and we see caribou at the same time because we saw them there um, yesterday too. But we knew there was some goats up on the hillside here that we saw yesterday before we left camp. So before Clay and I left camp yesterday, we saw two goats, a, a nanny and a, and a kid so we sat down and watched them for a little bit before we left our little area here. And, and then in the distance, we saw this other goat slowly walking up the valley. We watched him for a long, long time. He just sort of made his way all the way up the whole valley and joined up with these two. And we're like, pretty sure that must be a billy. Like, so should we sit here and watch them all day or should we just go out and scope, knowing that goats probably don't go all that far? And they'll be here tomorrow. And so we decided to just strike out and saw everything we saw yesterday, which was an incredible day. Like we saw yesterday and did a lot of ground truthing. And then we woke up this morning and decided to make a play on these goats today. So we all went up there. And, in, uh, in our valley, like in right, our valley, right like our, not all that like the far first from camp. goats that we studied yeah. yet. Yeah, like we were still together, we were still drinking coffee, coffee together yeah. when we were yeah. looking at these goats. These goats are like awesome. these were the goats that we saw within five minutes of leaving our camp. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say yeah. any. I, I don't want to say it was an easy goat. It was an easy goat. There's nothing easy in hunting, so no, I, I wouldn't no. say. But this would have been an easy goat. goats. And we, we made a play on them today, and we had some good conversation. We went up, and it didn't work out for us today, unfortunately. Okay, so 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 I I think what's interesting here is so what like so what do we do? How, how, why why didn't it work out? I think we got up. We were in a good position. Give, we were, give a bit more detail. Like where, where, where were they? What were we doing? So they were really low down on the slope. Actually, they were bedded down. We got up to about five hundred yards away from them. Um, they were still bedded down. We were just sitting there watching them. It just making sure that there was a billy like we knew there was a nanny and a kid and then that third goat that came in we wanted to absolutely make sure that it was and we're a billy, pretty new to this like yeah goat hunting business. we haven't like, I've, we're not, like, none, none of us, us have are... ever shot a goat before none of us have goat hunted before from so, from the from the day before we we suspected that we had a billy. Yeah, we suspected. Yeah, and then we proved it this morning. With, we, yeah, we yeah it, did it, a lot of glassing, a lot yeah, of really a diligent, lot of diligent glassing yeah. on the spotter, and I, I we enjoyed one, that because because I I had like I've I've read the regs a lot on the billy, like what a billy does, what what a, what a billy looks like, what a nail looks like, but it was kind of interesting because because this was a unique opportunity to look at it. There, there was a nanny with a kid, uh, so a, 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 you know, a woman and child, and then there was a larger uh, goat with them. And which, from what I'm told, like I, I didn't know that Billy's hung out with the 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 um, women and children. Um, I didn't know that. I, I thought they were separate. I thought they had separate programs for sure. 
Um, and so it was kind of fun to watch them because they were together. And I could look at, well, in the spotting scope, I could look at the um, the nanny, and I could look at the configuration of her an- of her sorry, antlers of her horns. Um, ungulates have antlers, so 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 uh, sorry. Oh, oh sorry, uh, cervids have antlers. Is that right? Bovins have bovids have horns. Have horns. So, um, deer, elk, moose, they have antlers, and then goats have horns, and they continually grow over time. So both nannies and billies have horns. And uh, um, so our little our little seek fire is like glowing red hot and we're trying to communicate to the one guy that little mic on like damp it down to try to damp it down and he's like this is sweet <laughs> <laughs> um anyways uh i'm lost in thought. It, was, it was the uh the uh where was i going with that thought the door open at all or is that no, we're just filling with the fire here. The damper's working. The damper's working. This is knock on the fire back. I just, I anyway, just think so, it was, sorry, it was yeah, an yeah, educational no, no, experience yeah, in no, either I, way. I got it here. So, so, so basically, we're, we're, we're unfamiliar. Like, so in, in BC, you're encouraged to shoot um, uh, billies. Billies. Male, male um, goats. goats. And and you're discouraged from shooting, obviously, a female. But there's no way you can actually, like, like legally, you're allowed to shoot a, a nanny if, if it happens to happen because it's very difficult to tell them apart. And how we tell them apart is by looking at their, their horn configuration and also just by looking at where they live in relation to other sheep. And how they use the bathroom. And the, how they use the bathroom. So if they're in presence with a... With a kid or not? Okay, so what are the three ways of telling? Well, I would think if they're in presence with a kid or not. Okay, that makes them a it's, it's like that if you got one goat and it's in pre- it's in presence with a kid, it's a nanny. Number one, yeah. That's what happened yesterday. Clay and I saw those two. They walked up. It was a nanny and a kid. Yeah. The situation that happened after is the second goat walked up. Third goat, or third goat, sorry. The third goat walked up. And they were like, oh. Is this another nanny or is it a belly? And that's where our conundrum struck out. So then we need to use the, the other factors to try to judge this. So it's the the horns. In some ways, peculiar that the a belly would be uh, so specifically um, traveling to a nanny and a kid, right? Like, Especially this time of year, because typically this time of year you would yeah, think because we're we're here like early August, solo, mid August. Right? Yeah, they don't rut until yeah, later in the year. Yeah, yeah. Later in the year. Totally. So to see a family unit like that is... Yeah. But is, I think goats are pretty social similar. creatures in general. So you have to just be careful. And then the other aspect once they're together is their horn configuration. So I think the females have this horn that comes up and kind of has this hook off the top. So it goes straight up and then it hooks at the top. Hooks at the top and then the billies have this more sort of gradual yeah, curving yeah. horn. And then their bases typically are closer together when you look at their bases in the middle. And then the other way to tell is when they go to the bathroom. If you spend that much time watching them, the the female would squat like a female dog would. 
And then the male would sort of lean forward with his legs straight back to take a pee. And Clay and I witnessed that um, yesterday when we saw a couple billies on our trip yesterday. We definitely witnessed that billy leaning way forward like, okay, that's a billy. And, so and then the fourth way of distinguishing if it's a billy is when... Um, and, and we So we had, we had actually had... So we had seen these three goats up from camp this morning. And... One of them was much bigger than the other two, so we're like, "Well, that could be a billy." So let's go closer look. So we hiked in on it, and we got to within 500 yards, and we had the spotting scope out, and we were like, "Okay, well, he's got curved antlers, like consistent curve, heavier bases." And then it was actually great because I could see the billy and the nanny in the spotting scope at the same time, so I could really see the di- like the difference in the configurations of the horns, which was great. But then when he turned around and I could actually see his balls hanging down, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's definitely, he's got significant balls. So he is definitely a billy. So then that kind of kicked us into like, okay, we got to hunt now because we're for sure looking at a billy. And, and none of us had seen that. Like, like, and now I know, like after having looked at the two, like, and, and I had the confirmation of the fucking, of the balls there, I was like, Okay, all all the information that we're looking at confirmed that this is definitely a male goat. And now that I've seen the the genitalia attached, it's like okay, clearly this is hundred um, percent. Then we were com- confident that we could pursue the hunt. So then we co- then, then then we pursued the hunt. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? We were five hundred yards away. Yeah, they're bedded down. Uh, they kind of got up at that point. Yeah, we made a move on them. They kind of picked up our movement early. We sat and uh, watched them for a little bit. They kind of settled back down again, started feeding again. We made another move that just didn't work out. I think it was just too early. We didn't let them settle down enough. Um, We were sort of thinking, like, we've seen a lot of goats, my experience with goats, which has been hiking and stuff and not hunting them. Like, when you're lower... On them, they seem to not get all that disturbed from you when you're sort of moving around them sometimes with goats. Um, but on this instance, we're like directly parallel with them on the same sort of contour line moving towards them. And definitely when they when they made you, it was over and they saw us and they they turned around and left the valley. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> We did. were busted <laughs> yeah. and it was over. So... Um. Uh, we got to in the we were able to maintain pretty solid cover up to a certain point. Well, then then we were 500 yards away from these goats, and in order to get that next, like so, we all we've all talked about here within our group. What's our comfortable shooting range? And comfortable shooting range, shooting range is like what are you absolutely confident you can kill an animal at? And and for me, it's 250 yards. For a sheep or a caribou, and then for Clay it's 300 yards, and for Alex it's 150 yards, and for Ryan it is 200 yards. And we've all talked about this based on our own capability of and our own experience and confidence shooting at the range, and and so none of us were capable of taking a shot at 500 yards, which is great. None of us would 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 um, potentially have that, you know, have have you know have any consequence of trying to do that, right? So 
we need to close the gap. So so Clay and Ryan moved in on this on this goat and hoped that the goat wouldn't respond to them coming in on it. And um, we'd hoped that there was enough cover for them to sneak in on him. And as it turned out, there wasn't really enough cover to... Yeah, we didn't. Yeah. It was a blown hunt this today, unfortunately. We tried. We didn't make it that far. It was just how hunting goes sometimes, I guess. It, we were at 500. We felt comfortable. The goats were up. We, they, we thought they were a little spooky. I, I think the learning lesson from today was a little bit of patience, maybe. We had a lot of time today, and I think yeah, we could maybe walking, walking away from today, we could have sat around a little bit longer. Totally. I think that's the takeaway from today for sure. It's just so so there was so so after the after that hunt got blown out, we did actually hike up. Alex and I on our way back from our slog down the valley yesterday, we actually saw a billy, a male goat, just on the mountain top above. We're, we're not too far from our camp, and not actually very far from where we had put this stock on this. Um, goat today with with the boys and um so so we thought well let's go after this had expired this hunt had blown out we'll go have a look at this other billy so we climbed up the mountain to go look at him and then we found out that we actually got like we, we couldn't actually hike to where this billy was bedded down cliffed out we got cliffed out false yeah. summit ugliness so then we had to climb all the way down the back to the bottom of the mountain and then we like circled back up a different sort of access to where this where this billy was, and we eventually climbed all the way up into there, and we found the billy, and he was like about like another like thousand meters above where he was bedded down the day before where I saw him, like in a nasty piece of terrain. Like I don't know how goat hunt like guys who goat hunt do it. Like it just seems like so impossible like i i i've never been a goat goat hunting guy and man that was like this it's just like oh jesus how do you get there and even if you get there what will you do yeah i think the goats we put a stock on this morning were really easy goats super easy most often they're in that terrain it's just that's why it's hard to even fathom hunting them because they're just in these unbelievable areas Se- second second play today was not easy <laughs> and we, was... we didn't make a play we we, we, we played scrabble for a bit <laughs> yeah. we so, so our plan was this this goat was like a thousand feet above us well and we're like okay hey, maybe the goat will come down uh, to where we saw it yesterday we did quite well, a bit of work to get it yeah, yeah. Thousand, the issue though. today yeah. was is we played on a goat that you saw the day before yeah <laughs> In a spot that we hoped he was still in. So we made this epic climb through this just horrendous scree up this mountainside. Boulder. Over a boulder, boulder field. Dirt, boulder field for That days. we had a pretty technical climb up to get to. To find out that the goat was another, you know, 900 but, but there he was. yards away. He was I, I, there. I, I told you there was but a there billion was, up there. I yeah, said there's a billion there that base. Further yeah. up this, the most heinous bowl you could imagine. In it, the most hey, impossible place. If I was one of those extreme shooters that could shoot 600 yards, we would have had that billy. 
But, but well, and if the weather so. hadn't came in, he might have he might have changed. He might have come so, down so our again. plan was, I, I, I don't. Yeah. We got pushed off today, yeah. legit. For legit. Sure. Yeah. So we so we were so gonna, we like, got up there. We played some Scrabble, and and we were just getting to our Scrabble game, and then the storm rolled in. We were waiting for the goat to move around. He, and yeah. he got up. He got up, he and he was going to come yeah. down into range. I I guarantee he would have come mm-hmm. down. Except that, that you guys wussed out. It was got a little, <laughs> little rainy. Play, yeah. And you guys were like, oh, it's going to be slippery going back down the hill. Ryan had some complaints yeah. about sort of the Scrabble rules. <laughs> yeah, there was that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was that too, for sure. Why, yeah, why can I only play one word? Why can I only play one word? Why can't Easy E be a name? I'm like, it's because it's a, it's a name of a rapper from the 1990s. Yeah, clearly. Anyway, so anyway, yeah. So we bailed on the, well, it, but the truth is, we know now, right? Is that goat's going to be there, and he and he's a short walk from camp. Mm-hmm. He's actually very accessible, so we should just like wait him out. Maybe he'll wind up in a spot we can get him. And maybe he'll walk right into camp too. Cause I think he's going to come around. He'll come around. I don't know if I'd go back up into that spot again, hoping mm-hmm. he's there. Because that's true. It's true. Well. Because he well, can't the, really scope the, the other the other part of the story here is that uh, as Dylan referred to the the weather came in and so the the access the climb through the scree and the boulder That's fields point, yeah. is uh is one thing the descent in the rain is a very very different situation yeah. and if it was sketchy coming up it could be sure it's really sketchy going down, down. down. it's a no, real no we're happy to be down di- different feel and, yeah totally yeah. Anyways, that was day the day one and two of our of our adventure. So um tomorrow we're all excited we're gonna get up. Caribou's open. Caribou's open tomorrow. And we're gonna and, and we're gonna hopefully that's what we said. We're gonna do a big push tomorrow. We're gonna go for a walk. So we'll check back in with you guys when uh we're into well, the ptarmigan as well. The ptarmigan might have it. Maybe we'll get the lake trout as big, well. So. Uh, some breeding ptarmigan in this area as well. They're very uh very prolific. Great for kids.